Eye on Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. This is episode 49, otherwise known as season 3, episode 13. I am your host, James J. Edwards, and with me, as always, is your other host, Jacob Davidson. How are you doing, Jacob? How is anyone doing, James? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of at that point in the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's, it's getting a little old at this point. Um, also with us is your other, other host, John Korea. How are you doing, John? There's, there's a meme going around of Jack Nicholson in The Shining, uh, where he's like, <laughs> five months of this. Five miserable months. Five miserable months. And it's just like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, like, you 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 rewatch The Shining. You're like, wow, Jack Torrance was kind of always an asshole and always kind of crazy, and this just like really brought it out in him. But like, you know, also kind of seeing, yeah, I get it, I get it, man. Did either of you guys know <laughs> last year when we saw The Lighthouse that it would be a documentary? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that there's an end in sight. I mean, theaters are supposedly opening back up again, but I don't know if I'm going to go. Not even The Empire Strikes Back for 15 cents yeah, could I'm, get me to I a theater am, right I now. I am wary. Very wary. And let me tell you something, because I, I, I just wrapped on filming in Georgia. Uh, I'm in a different state for different oh reasons now, but... God. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, as someone who has gone back to work in the middle of this, it is, it is not good. It's not fun. Um... And we were in a low-risk area, too. We did our research before heading out, and yeah, I there were a lot of days where I wish I had stayed home and just collected unemployment. Like, it was, uh, it's, it's a crazy new world, and you're right. I don't know if, you know, I'm talking with other productions and other stuff moving forward, and a lot of, like, what we're discussing is just how this probably isn't going to be a temporary thing. Like a lot of stuff that like TV and film has to do. It's, it's the new normal. So just kind of get used to it. It sucks. That's what happens when it's this mismatch. I mean, if we lived in New Zealand, it'd be different. Or Vietnam. Vietnam killed it even better. Yeah. Yeah. Vietnam. What do you guys been doing? Jacob has been living at the drive-in. Yep. It's my new home away from home. (laughs) Uh, thank you, American Cinematheque Beyond Fest. Uh, oh, and this week was pretty fun. Uh, they did the Terminator and RoboCop. And I gotta say, you know, the RoboCop dystopia actually isn't, is better than our current dystopia. (laughs) I mean, sure, Detroit's ridden with crime and corporations are buying out, uh, public services, but it's not nearly as bad as here. I'm, I'm still, you know... Not hoping, but I I, I, I still kind of want to be be Fury Road, you know, be a war boy, you know, and <laughs> and die on the you know on the road to Valhalla, you know. Yeah, and they and that was the thing. Uh, Fury Road and Death Race Two Thousand were the opening uh, drive-in movies. Don't don't remind me. That was literally the day I left for Georgia. <laughs> Sorry. I've seen a meme saying something about how Mad Max takes place in twenty twenty one. So we're on pace. I have to verify that because remember years ago when people kept saying today's the day in back that he goes, you know, in back to the future too. And I'm like, no, it's fucking not and they're like, I've seen that movie a million times. Yes, it is. I'm like, no, it's fucking not like here's a screen grab I have from watching it. Like, shut up. And there were like six different days that people said that that day fell. That kept coming back until it finally did pass. Right. We finally did, did get yeah. to that day. Yeah, we did okay. pass it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it was just like, come on folks it's not hard to pop in a blu-ray and watch it or dvd or 
I don't know, voodoo. Like, it's fucking available everywhere. It's back to the future. Come on. Yeah, but it's but it's a lot easier to just, you know, right-click and save a meme on the internet and repost it. <laughs> not not to get political or social, make social commentary, but isn't that the perfect example? All it takes is, like, two seconds to pop in a disc and go, hey, the date's wrong. You can even fast-forward or skip to it, but no one wanted <laughs> to do that. They just share memes. That's all yeah. that's happening now, sharing memes. Uh, bitter. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. We interrupted Jacob. <laughs> what have you been seeing at the drive-in? Uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, they did uh, the Terminator and Robocop this week. And next week is uh, are the two greatest romances of, of the 1990s, Point Break and True Romance. <laughs> Point Break. It's a romantic film in a way. It's a it is. <laughs> and I will fight anyone. And also, you know what? I I'm over the whole bromance term. Just say call it what it is. It's a romance, man. Like Keanu yep. and Patrick Swayze's characters had a deep connection, man, that like went beyond just love, you know? Yeah. Also I mean, the there's waves, a, there's man. a point where the subtext kind of becomes text. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a physical love, you know. There's mult. There's it's a, love is a spectrum. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So that's next week. Should be fun. And they, oh yeah, no. Bianca has been knocking out of the park. Uh, like a few weeks ago, they did uh, Lost Boys and Fright Night. That was a good time. Uh, nice. <laughs> they had a dead cat double feature with Reanimator and Pet Cemetery. Uh, and oh geez oh oh, one of my favorites uh was they did uh the evil dead and texas chainsaw massacre and there was an intro by bruce campbell oh awesome yeah well video video intro like he that came with the movie um still it's always good to see the chin oh yes yeah very motivating (laughs) and he made sure to tell people to wear their masks uh psa good man Yeah, yeah um and yeah, no, just the drive-in's really been keeping me going because, you know, it's just nice to have something to do week to week and to have an excuse to get out of the house, get out of town for a little bit because uh, it's a bit of a drive, like 45 miles, but it's worth it. What else you guys been seeing? I saw this movie that um, it actually just came out last week, but we, we sorry, I, we have to apologize to the listeners. We took a few weeks off. It was kind of inadvertent and accidental but i think we all kind of needed it yeah (laughs) it was one of those things where korea is usually the one that bugs us to record i'll take full blame well he was busy so he didn't bug us and i think jacob and i just kind of sat there and went okay well then let's not (laughs) record let let me tell you something the the last few weeks on a on a travel show is some of the most stressful and uh (laughs) this one especially with the pandemic and everything going on like yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, the first week I forgot and just kind of went, oh, shit, maybe I should try to rally for this week. And then the second week, I kind of actively avoided you guys <laughs> <laughs> just so I just because I had to I had to focus on like other stuff. So, I mean, apologies to, to all the listeners. I, I will take the full brunt of blame for that. But now we have so much to talk about because. Well, yeah, let's just say we have a ton to talk about yeah. because, oh, yeah. you know, and like. You know, like you said, you know, we didn't exactly step up and say, you know, and, you know, it, it falls on all three of us. Um, but you're the one who usually rallies us. So if you want to take all the blame, that's cool. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'll fall on that sword. But yeah, we uh, but yeah, I've had things going on personally that uh, have, you know, made me kind of not want to record, too. Um, but I've still been watching movies and I saw this movie. It, it's 
the listeners may have all heard of it, you know, seen it by now. It's called Uncle Peckerhead. Either you guys see Uncle Peckerhead? No, I didn't. No. Oh my god. It's okay, so it's about this band and it's funny because they're like this independent band who they recorded a, a demo, put out the record, booked a tour, and um, got a show with their hometown heroes all in one week. <laughs> like, it that, doesn't happen that way. Right? But anyway, um, their van gets repossessed, so they need a new set of wheels. So they find this creepy dude named Uncle Peckerhead who has a van because a guy named Uncle Peckerhead, of course, is going to have a van. <laughs> And, uh, and he agrees to drive them on their tour. But it turns out Uncle Peckerhead, every night at midnight for 13 minutes, he turns into this demon zombie vampire thing. Whoa. And he, yeah, and, and he like, he gets murderous. And supposedly he's take, well, he's, he takes sedatives. So he tries to be asleep during that time. Um, but the band kind of uses it to their advantage in places like if they're getting ripped off by a club. You know, they just make sure that Peckerhead doesn't take his sedatives or like if, you know, they're going to get jumped at a rest area, you know, they make sure that Peckerhead is not taking his sedatives. It's kind of a cool little, you know, uh, it's not really a zombie movie and it's not really a werewolf movie, but it's it's a it's a fun little distraction. The band, they're called Duh. And the music is written by the guy who plays the guitar player in the band. His name is Max in the in the uh I think his name's Jeff Riddle in real life. The music is actually really cool. It's kind of like that wall of sound, Husker Du, you know, sugar kind of sound, but with like a boy-girl X vocal thing. So that was actually probably the coolest thing about the movie is the, uh, is the band's actual music. It was pretty cool. And if you do have a movie about a band, they have to have good music. I mean, how bad would have Green Room been if they didn't absolutely kill it with uh, Nazi punks fuck off? You know? <laughs> I, I actually, I have a theory about that. Well, that Nazi punks fuck off was awesome because <laughs> even the Nazi punks they were playing it to were like all respect bros. You know, I mean, they were like cool with it. But I have a theory about that. If, if you have a band in a movie like that, no matter how stupid or cannon fodder they are, if their music is good, people are going to root for them. And that's that works yeah. in Uncle Peckerhead. You want this band to succeed because you're like, oh, they kind of rock. So, And then there's, of course, the rival band that the music kind of sucks for. So you're like, oh, oh, of course, duh, needs to kick the crap out of that band because their music's better. So, I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats would have been unwatchable <laughs> if the music sucked in that movie. Josie the Pussycats is a national treasure, and it I will is. fight anyone who says otherwise. Why is it not in the Library of Congress already? <laughs> Maybe it's not old enough. It's only 20 years old. Yeah, that's true. Fair um, point. Anyway, what else you guys been watching? I actually, it, it was really interesting. Um, on the plane ride back from Georgia, I watched three movies. I watched The Farewell, which was sad, but it's not horror, so we're not going to talk about it. I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show, mostly because I was like, I can watch Rocky Horror Picture Show on this plane and like people are going to walk <laughs> by and like Frankenfurter's going to be in his mm. fishnets. Okay, definitely got to watch that. Uh, but mainly I watched Memory, Origins of Alien and I absolutely loved it because, you know, I, I thought it was going to be just another like kind of fluff like, oh yeah, you know, this is this is where Alien came from and, you know, it's because, uh, you know, we were like, I was like, I already know all this information. Like, why do I need to watch it? Which is why I put it off for so long. But man, did they do a really good job of not only 
because the whole concept of the movie is going into the origins of Alien, and they really do explore that, not only in going into Dan O'Bannon and his inspiration and talking about Dark Star and, like, the origins of, like, where that movie comes from, uh, but they also go into, like, more into it, like, they start, they go into the mythology of Furies and how that relates to not only, like, the movie, but also, like, inspirations behind stuff of the movie. They talk about Francis Bacon, which his artwork was a huge inspiration for the chestburster and stuff. And that's really where the movie, I think, is really special because they start not only talking about the origins of the movie, but they talk about the origins of the actual alien itself. They go into the mythology of like the engineers and they talk at great length. Like I think a full half hour to 45 minutes of the movie is just dissecting what leads up to the chestburster scene and the chestburster scene itself. They don't even talk about like the later half that much. They just really go into the origins of the alien. Uh, so it's, it's really good and it's phenomenally made. Now, is that all stuff, and maybe this is is answered in the movie, is that all stuff that Dan O'Bannon had in mind when he wrote Alien? Because Alien is, the first Alien is basically a slasher movie in space. Right. But did he have all that mythology behind the engineers and all that in mind when he, because that stuff didn't come to light until Prometheus, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's the really cool thing is that this film doesn't, put any one person on a pedestal when it comes to discussing all this stuff. Like they talk about like how that stuff was in the script and was in there and how uh, they talked about how it was a Lovecraft story, but they couldn't do Lovecraft because Lovecraft wasn't sellable. So they compared it with the thing in that these filmmakers were making Lovecraftian films, but because Lovecraft wasn't sellable, they made it their own, you know, and Lovecraft is always better when somebody else does Lovecraft, in my opinion, at least. Um, And they really do talk, they go into great length about like how Ridley Scott was a huge champion because of course the studio's like, we got to cut down on this like engineer stuff. It doesn't, it does you know, let's get to the action. Like, no, 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 we got to slow burn it. So they really go into that. They go into about like how Geiger, Bannon, like Bannon, uh, for the chestburster scene, it was one page. And so it was really uh, Ridley and Geiger, you know, making that scene happen. And they even really go into about how Geiger really couldn't crack the chestburster. Like even Geiger said in interviews, like anytime he would try to write it or draw it, it came out to like a deformed mutated chicken or something like that. And it was actually one of the special effects makeup artists that uh, cracked the look and design and everything of it. So it's it's really good. All I know is now I just want to watch Aliens so bad and I haven't had an opportunity <laughs> to do it yet. Either you guys watched uh, on Shudder, The Pool? Uh, no. no, I haven't had the chance. Okay, this movie, first of all, it's kind of one of those uh, open water two kind of deals because the whole thing is basically about a, about this guy who, he's on a film crew and they were shooting a, they were shooting a movie in a, one of those big diving pools. And then he's in charge of breaking down the set. So he he basically goes out on a raft and he's sleeping on, you know, on this raft in this pool. And another guy drains the pool while he's there. So basically he gets stuck at the bottom of this big diving pool because there's no ladder to get him out. And because of other extenuating circumstances, there is a crocodile in the pool with him. Ooh. <laughs> and this movie, for the first like probably mm, hour and 20 minutes... I was really having fun with it because it is, it's just so ridiculous that it's, 
it's enjoyable. You know, there's this, it's just all this, the, the, the crocodile is the worst CG this side of the shark that eats Samuel L. Jackson in Deep Blue Sea. So worse than like a uh, piranha shark or yes, or a sharktopus. Yeah. My bad. Yes, exactly. It, it, it's yeah. It's a, this is asylum quality visual effects. So so it's kind of fun. And then um, you know, and he's and it, it's a I want to say it's a Korean movie. Korean or Vietnamese, but um, so he's fighting this crocodile and he's tricking this crocodile to go to these other places in the pool so he can try to escape through this drain. He's doing all this cool stuff and, you know, it's kind of fun, but there's a point and this, this is kind of a spoiler, but things like this deserve to be spoiled. A dog, something horrible happens to a dog. A dog dies. And it's not just like, okay, a dog dies in Becky. We've talked about that. A dog dies in the lodge. We talked about that. This dog dies horribly, horribly, horribly. And at that point, I was like, fuck this movie and everybody who, who is involved with the make. I was so against this movie at this point, but I was totally in until that happened because it's just so ridiculous. I was having fun with it, but oh my gosh, I cannot forgive what happens to this poor dog. Anyway, the pool, it's on shutter if you are curious, but be warned, something horrible happens to the to the dog that you see at the beginning. Now, you said that was a Korean film? It's Korean or Vietnamese, yeah. Okay. Well, because I just watched a Korean <laughs> film. Oh, look at me doing a smooth segue into oh, something I'm wanting to talk about. Didn't even notice it. It was so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I'm going to talk about it now because when this episode airs, the embargo is going to be lifted. But my most anticipated film of the year, I was able to get a pre-screener for it, And I'm so happy I did because it was absolutely incredible. Uh, Peninsula. Uh, Train to Basan presents. Now, uh, I, I've already seen a few reviews come out, and I didn't read them because I don't care. I just wanted to see it and have, be open-minded with it. And I can't stress enough how important it is that this film is not Train to Basan 2. It is Train to Basan presents because it is so it is very different. I mean, the zombies and the events that lead to it are the same as Train to Basan, but it is tonally a absolutely different movie. So while the first one put a lot of emphasis on drama and emotion, this film takes that same energy and that same quality into action. There's fight sequences that are very John Wicky, which is awesome. There's these incredible car chase sequences that almost feel like a Korean zombie version of Mad Max Fury Road. Um, and there's a little bit of, uh, there, there was a few moments in the trailer that gave me a bit of worry uh, mainly there's like a bit with a uh, RC cars, which I'm like, oh, that seems a bit ridiculous, but it actually works really well. Uh, they do a phenomenal job of creating their own mythology on how people have survived with these particular type of zombies. And the, the train of Basan did such an incredible job of doing stuff with the zombies, like having them like crawl over each other. So they become like a wave almost uh, and stuff like that. With this one, they continue that where you'll see zombies pile up or like when they're going through like what they call a march of zombies, like a whole horde of them. Like it gets to the point where like cars get stuck because there's just so many and they're under the wheel. So the car can't move. Um, but the one that I was kind of worried the most, but actually worked really well was the King rat zombies. And you see it in the trailer where it's like a group of zombies all bunched up together. You, Cause you know what a King rat is when a bunch of rats get tangled up together. So they become like one mass of rats. They do that with zombies. So it's like this pile of zombies that are like crawling around as like a mound. And it's, and it's really weird, 
but it works so well. But yeah, I can't recommend it enough. If you go into the movie recognizing that this is just another part of like a of like a bigger story, so it's going to be different from the first one. It still packs emotional punches when it needs to, but the focus on this one is far more on action. And they nailed it. Um, I'm so excited at just the idea of them making all these different type of movies sur- just surrounding Train to Basan, and which they already have with uh, Sal Station, Train to Basan, and now Peninsula. So I want to see more. Plus, there's a lot of drifting in it. <laughs> cool. And just uh, I just looked it up. The pool is actually from Thailand. Oh. So it it is not exactly Korean or Vietnamese. It's Thai. What what else have you been seeing, Jacob? Uh, well, well, I, while we're talking about uh, Korean uh, horror movies, uh, I actually watched uh, there, this great uh, Korean horror comedy that really complements uh, Train to Busan and all that. It's called uh, Zombie for Sale, and uh, it just got released by Arrow Video, and... Um, Basically, it's about uh, the the okay. So this pharmaceutical company was doing experiments on homeless people and students uh, for like a new form of insulin, and they accidentally created zombies, and they got rid of most of them. But this one zombie escapes into the countryside, and uh, gets picked up by this kind of uh, fa- this family of con artists that operate out of a gas station, kind of a parasite type of way, and. Uh, the zombie guy bites uh, the grandfather family who was weak and uh, you know kind of dealing with problems because he was old but because he was bit by the zombie he feels revitalized and youthful again and there's this great gag where he's able to pee uh, without any help (laughs) and there's like and then like the pee makes a rainbow because he feels so healthy Uh, so they so they come up with a grift where they'll let all the people old people in town get bitten by the zombie to feel young again and and it's a little bit of a spoiler but it's just too good of a joke to pass up <laughs> like uh there's a bit where uh they're trying to figure out uh, what's the deal with the zombie and they actually watch train to busan on their phones to kind of get an idea of it <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it is awesome uh so and and of course things go off the rails and it and it's also a zom rom-com because like the uh the daughter of the family starts to develop feelings for the zombie guy so it's so yeah it's basically so it's kind of like uh warm bodies train to busan and parasite all rolled up into one and um you know and it's great because uh you know i feel like every time there's a zombie boom that there's a uh zombie comedy response to that you know kind of like how uh you had return of living dead in the 80s and Shaun of the dead in the 2000s so of course train to busan was a big success so korea has its own equivalent of that with uh zombie for sale that's not the one that i was talking about though didn't you see deep blue three deep blue sea too oh yeah well no 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 actually deep blue sea three god there's three now there are three yeah uh thought two just came out i did not see two that came out a few years ago but yeah deep blue sea three um actually uh yeah it's kind of standalone i mean it's basically a continuation of the second one but you don't have to see it i didn't see the second one uh but yeah so you got three uh mutated bull sharks on the loose uh as these things tend to happen uh and they go to this uh fishing this abandoned fishing village near 
I think uh, South Africa, and it's where the scientist is doing research on the effects of climate change on great white sharks. So you got so the bull sharks are starting to pick people off, and then the scientists and the mercenary sent to uh, uh, capture the sh- the, bu- the mutant bull sharks uh, come to conflict with them. And man, it is, it is just so over the top. Like because you got you got. Uh, the bull sharks going around attacking people but also you got these uh human on human fist fights while sharks are attacking them because like you know there's like a conflict on both sides and there there is a a, a shark kill that is kind of up there with samuel jackson getting picked off both in its abruptness and just how over the top with the shark cg it is so you know it's not it's not amazing but it, it was pretty fun it's what you watch Deep Blue Sea movies for. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, not not much on the practical effects, but it does have some pretty decent underwater footage, which is pretty cool. I will give them credit that they tried to be over the top of it, which is really all you can do when you're in the third Deep Blue Sea movie. This is where I have to ask, who is who are these sequels to Deep Blue Sea made for? Like, it's like when I go into Walmart and it's like, out now, Sniper 6. It's like, <laughs> who's asking for this? Who... Who in like I would understand shortly after Deep Blue Sea coming out, you know, them wanting to make a Deep Blue Sea 2, but we're almost 20 years out from that first one made. Who is still out there going, you know, hey, like writing letters and starting change.org petitions? Hey, we need a we need a Deep Blue Sea 3. All right. Listen, this is absolutely necessary. Like I, I I'm not saying that it's bad that they were made, but like I'm just wondering who is it made for? What are their six Sharknado movies? But those they banged out quickly. Yeah, I think there's yeah, seven. Yeah, that was like year after year. There are you know? seven of them. Yeah, yeah, and every year they they pumped one out. But with this one, yeah, like you said, it's like who woke up one morning and said, you know what needs a sequel? Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's a process. It's not like it's just like, oh, hey, we're going to do that today. Like someone had to come up with the idea of doing it. Someone had to bankroll it. And then they had to get people together. to Like it, there's a process to making. So like this is something that's like there was active participation in these movies. Again, I'm not bashing. You know, I'm sure there is an audience. I just want to know who are you people and how why are you so passionate about Deep Blue Sea? Well, I think it's because of the Sharknado stuff, you know, like shark movies, shark horror movies are pretty cheap uh, to make and they're popular, so I guess somebody probably dusted off the trademark or licensing rights or whatever to Deep Blue Sea and just like, hey, people recognize this name and it has sharks, so let's go with that. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? This gives me hope that we're going to get an Orca 2 coming out soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, some be... 50, well, yeah, some 50 years later, finally, Orca 2. I mean, I can't knock it too hard. I did just finally watch Piranha 2, the spawning, or uh, Flying Creatures, or whatever the title was in it. And I got to say, yeah, the like, spawning. I think <laughs> the most noteworthy thing about that movie is the underwater shots, because you can tell James Cameron really had a boner for, like, deep sea diving <laughs> uh, with that one. Yeah, because it's his first one. Uh, also the gratuitous nudity was just like, okay, yeah. but once the, the flying piranhas actually came in, the movie kind of came to a standstill cause it was just so poorly done their kills. But there is a great subplot of these bikini pirate girls. It's like these two girls <laughs> on a sailboat that go from port to port and steal stuff. And now all I want to do is write a movie about like bikini pirates of these women just con arting being great con artists going port to port stealing food and money just to get by to keep sailing and being free and then it abruptly ending with them being eaten by flying piranhas so it's kind of like spring breakers a little bit yeah corman would bankroll that pitch him yeah (laughs) 
if you're listening. Uh, although, speaking of Aqua Horror, another movie I want to give a shout out to that I saw recently uh, that just came uh, is coming stateside. Uh, uh, the Barge People. Uh, have either of you guys heard of that one? No. Yeah, it's this British horror movie that uh, came out a couple years ago, but RLJE is releasing it. Uh, I, I reviewed it for the for the site, and I, I dug it. It's it's basically uh, like the this uh, these two couples. Uh, rent a barge on the British Canal ways for a romantic uh, holiday and turns out uh, because of all the toxic waste dumping and all this backwood shit there's these uh, this like clan of fish human hybrids that just go around raiding uh, uh, boat uh, canal boats and like killing and eating people as they do yeah yeah I mean it's it's a pretty bare bones movie you know it's not too deep but you got but I will give it credit because it's like all practical effects yeah you had me at fish human hybrid (laughs) I was all in yeah it's basically the hills have eyes meets Dagon you know that's that's it and uh, I'm and I'm all for it you know it's simple you know you just you got uh, British vacationers mutant fish people they got hooks, you know, go to town. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's move on to our topic, which we're going to, tra- t- speaking of smooth as butter transitions, <laughs> Korea, uh, I threw us off with that. <laughs> we can't transition We're going well to, uh, let's transition to our topic, which our topic, let's see if you can guess what we're going to talk about next when we say our topic is tech horror. Um, there's this movie that you guys have all probably already seen, the three of us have, on Shudder. The Host. No, it's just Host. Just Host. Not The Host. The Host is a different movie. Yeah. A phenomenal movie. It's just Host. Okay. Host is the first of what I think is going to be a pretty welcome or not. It's going to be a trend. Basically, it's a Zoom horror movie. And um, it is... The way that it came about is the director, and I don't know if this is a stunt or not, but he basically gathered some of his friends together on like a, a Zoom call, and some of them are actors in the movie, because, you know, he's he's a filmmaker, so he knows actors, and he basically tricked them into thinking that he, he he's like, I hear something in my attic, and he goes up there, and there's something scary yeah, happens. Um, I saw that. Have, have you... Have you seen it? Oh, it's, it's it's actually it's pretty terrifying. It's like a may, maybe two minutes, um, and it kind of looks staged. It looks like some of his friends who are in on the call may have been in on it, but a couple of them look like they might not have been. But anyway, he um, he fleshed it out into a whole thing. And what it is is there are these five friends who get together to do a Zoom seance because we're quarantined, so you can't do a seance in person. So they have the medium who's also in the zoom room and they get together and they do this thing. And, you know, things go wrong as they do in a horror (laughs) movie with a seance. (laughs) But I thought it was really, it was really clever. It was a new, it it was a different take on the whole seance thing. It was a different take on using the technology to do it. Cause we've seen that with like unfriended and, and like the den and, you know, movies like that. Um, but what I thought was, I mean, first of all, it knows when to get out. And part of this is because, you know, nobody in the movie, none of the characters shelled out for a Zoom subscription. So they only had the 40 minute. It's like an the movie's an hour long. It, it, it's a little less than an hour. It's like yeah. 58 minutes. Um, but, but yeah, so it used the 40 minute cutoff <laughs> to, to basically uh, end the movie, which is great because it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. And. By the time you get to that climactic payoff, I mean, 
I was chewing my fingernails down to the nub because it's one of those things where you know something is going to happen and you even know when it's going to happen, but you still, it still gets you. The best way to watch um, host is on a computer yeah. and in the dark. <laughs> that's, that, that's how I watched it. And it scared the crap out of me. What did you guys think? I, 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 I'm, I'm going by your face. I don't think that you're as rosy on it as I am, Korea. I, listen, listen I, I'm always the negative one. Why am I always the <laughs> I'm, I am bitter. Um, no, I, you just don't like cinema like we do. <laughs> that's the thing. I do like cinema. It's like Russell Crowe in that trailer for Unhinged where he's like, cinema goes to the portrait of the soul, but I made a movie called Unhinged that isn't that fuckers. Anyways, uh, that Unhinged trailer, that has like shades of Stephen King in the Maximum Overdrive, you know, coked out Stephen King. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. But instead we get like older, chunky Russell Crowe, who may or may not be sober (laughs) now, which is more terrifying. I don't know. I don't know what's more terrifying. Coked out Russell Crowe instead of coked out Stephen King. But uh, that honestly did sell me on that movie. I was not looking forward to that movie at all, but now I'm sold. Anyways distracted adhd um no i here's the thing is that when it comes to like movies like that because i i actually watched searching recently too so i have like a new i have like a new it's 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 the same argument i have with found footage movies why the fuck are you still recording so i really i really dig when movies incorporate that and make it like like unfriended dark web did it really good job of being like we have to stay on it like or else you know like there's a there's motive behind it and i thought this uh host was very good at incorporating not just like features of zoom but also features of the quarantine you know there's moments where like one of the characters goes outside and they have to put on a mask or when uh is a little spoiler but two of the characters do meet up at one point and they don't touch they just elbow elbow dab you know there's like little things like that it's a very of its time movie like it was very clear that it was conceived and made during quarantine so i don't know how rewatchable it will be if we ever get out of this oh the technology is going to be dated next week because also there are plot points that rely on those cool zoom um backgrounds you know the the (laughs) virtual backgrounds and also that was awesome actually and then also there's like instagram filters that are which which confused me because Zoom doesn't do that, right? Zoom doesn't do the face thing. I don't know if it does or not, but um, but I th- I like how that they how they pretended it did. If it doesn't, yeah. there might be a way to do it. But it yeah. did take me a little bit out with that, and it had really good jump scares. Like there were some yeah. really saw. I was watching it with uh, my fiance and her family, and like it was great seeing other people jump, you know, with it. I just like I get the ending. I get how it ended like that, but I also felt like it didn't have one. You know, like it didn't really have an ending. But again, the runtime, 55 minutes, is perfect because we got in, it did its thing, and it got out. So, like, I, I didn't not like the movie. I just, I'm not, as you said, as rosy as other people. Like, it was solid. I, I, I respect the shit out of it for what it did, though. The, the ending kind of had to be like that. And we're trying not to spoil this ending. Right. But it kind of had to be like that to keep up with what you were saying, the realism of it. The fact that it just ends at that point... That's how it would end if you really were watching footage of this of this of Zoom, Zoom seance. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, Jacob, break the tie. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> I really did. There was no tie to break. <laughs> I just wasn't as bumped on it. And I feel like he's even in between the two of us. I don't think he's as uh, thinks it was as awesome as I did, but he I think he's like he's splitting the difference. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I mean, I, I well, 
you know, honestly, I think I need to rewatch it, but I mean, I, I did watch it on Shudder and I liked it. I really did. Um, it did have some pretty good uh, jump scares in there and it was, and uh, that's the thing, you know, is the, is the, uh, the the length you know less than an hour was perfect like if if it tried to stretch to like an hour and a half i don't think it would be uh nearly as good you know just nice and condensed um yeah and you know i was surprised um what they were able to do within their constraints and you know like uh korea was talking about you know just how production has been so limited now so it's interesting they were able to work within those limits to make something like this um and yeah you know that's the thing i feel like it's just kind of a natural extension of uh kind of found footage streaming horror over the years you know you go back to uh you know like paranormal activity like uh I feel, you know, in Blair Witch Project, uh, it's just, it's just, you know, it, as technology evolves, so does the horror that uh, comes along with it. The director, he kind of like directed it, and and they they also shot it using Zoom, and and he directed it via Zoom. So I think we're going to be seeing more of this, and I don't think they're all going to be horror movies, but I think you know. We're going to see, in fact, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of it already just because people have been cooped up. That's because you don't watch reality TV. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you guys, uh, because we're we're kind of making this a topic like movies that take place within technology. So like, uh, for example, like the Unfriended movies. um, And like I said, I just recently watched Searching, which I uh, is probably the one that goes the farthest in trying to make it work. You know, because like all these other ones that we're talking about, they take place in like one session or something, whereas searching, it's like there's footage on the phone. There's, you know, web browsing. There's all the there's news footage. Yeah, there's news footage. The the news footage, they'll open up a website. It's not like you're going to a TV. They open up a website and they'll like, oh, here's the news report. But also like he logs into like his brother's surveillance cameras. Yeah. Yeah, searching. Searching is actually pretty clever with all the different ways they find to tell the story. But they had to go. Don't get me wrong. I thought searching was really well done. And I thought it was pretty crazy. Really good mystery. And yeah, at, at its core, it still had like a good mystery. And it got me with a few of its twists. But like. It and that's where where my thought on all this is: how far can this genre basically go? Because we already have like host where it's one Zoom session and it works out very effectively. And that's basically the unfriended movies are basically one Zoom sesh as well. Right. But then, but then you have something like Searching, where it's like it goes like far and beyond, and it's like incorporating all these different technologies and stuff. Is there a limit on? on how effective the genre could be like how soon are we going to get the flood of shitty quarantine zoom movies oh i like as i mean we already had one shitty quarantine movie with what was it quarantine zombies or no coronavirus corona zombies or whatever that full moon put out like fuck that movie dude uh that was so exploitive and gross you think that that um that host is going to be uh, the next The Blair Witch Project with with uh, is it going to inspire a whole genre of Zoom horror movies? How creative can you be? I mean, what else can you do besides Zoom seances? I'm really asking. I mean, are there is there more you can do? Having just that plot of the seance over Zoom made it so that like everyone could be effective. But it's like, yeah, how can you do something unless they're like and it seems like it was international because most of those people were British, but there was a few that weren't. So like. And Unfriended uh, Dark Web did a good job of, like, kind of tying them together in that, you know, you had the dark web behind it. But, like, 
it's not like you can have like Jason, you know, attacking people in Zoom <laughs> meetings. It might be a bit, but a bit in a movie, but like not a full feature taking place. You Unfriended know? Dark Web kind of did that because Dark Web, it wasn't a supernatural thing. It was these Dark Web, Dark Web presence. And so it, you kind of had that slashery aspect to it. You know, like, I think the first Unfriended is more fun just because it was a supernatural presence. Yeah, um, it was all right. But but Dark Web, Dark Web is, I, I'm glad that they didn't just remake Unfriended for Dark yeah. Web. Dark Web was, I, I love Dark Web a lot. I think Dark Web for me is like up there with like Ouija Origin of Evil, whereas the sequel is just far superior to the first one. Right. And you Paranormal know. Activity 3. Oh, 3 is so good. <laughs> I guess I gotta see that. You haven't seen Paranormal Activity 3? No. Oh, dude. oh, that's your homework tonight. <laughs> yeah, dude. Especially the the they put a VHS camera on like a fan thing, so it pans on one of those rotating right. fans. Oh, right, it's right. so good. That was such although, a great gimmick. You, although you guys know what uh, host really reminded me of. Um, well, actually, I guess it was twofold. Um, both on Shutter too. Uh, Noroi the Curse and um, Ghost Watch. Have, have you guys seen either of those? Yeah, yeah Ghost, Ghost Watch, Watch I have, yeah. Ghost Watch was so good, but it took me out as soon as there was an actor from Red Dwarf in it because it immediately yeah. made me be like, oh, I recognize an actor, damn it. But it was still great. Yeah. yeah. I feel like both of those were pretty effective because, you know, it's a, all a matter of blurring reality with, uh, the, with, the, with the horror. And uh, have either of you seen Nori the Curse, though? I have not, no. No. Oh, that's a good one. Like, that is legit one of the most terrifying found footage movies I have ever seen. Is that my homework for tonight? That is your I'll homework watch Nori for the, tonight. I'll, yes. I'll watch Nori the Curse and you watch Paranormal Activity 3. Certainly. <laughs> we'll report back next episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, Noroi, uh, it's it's basically a uh, yeah documentary, and it does actually feature some actors playing real-life versions of themselves. But uh, yeah, it's like, the, it's like this paranormal investigator checking out... Um, like a series of weird incidents that all kind of start to tie together and yeah it's just really really effective and really nightmarish it um yeah it sticks with you have you guys seen um and i think we've talked about this before megan is missing no but no. i know i know that one that it is it, it's basically it, it's one of those pretend documentaries it's about this this well two girls that go missing and um it's 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 kind of footage. It's like footage from a camera they shoot, but it's also like um, like chat logs and stuff like that. But it is uh, it's a tough one to watch because the last twenty minutes or so is basically unedited footage from this camera they found, and it is uh, anyway. It's not completely what we're talking about here, but it is uh, it's effective. So that's my homework assignment. Megan is missing. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. We're dueling out homework assignments now. Do you guys remember that movie from a couple years ago? It's it's just called App. Oh, yeah. Talking about techno horror. It's a pretty forgettable movie. It's a, a girl like goes to a party and wakes up and she has an app on her phone that does creepy shit. But the thing with App is... And it didn't really have a whole lot to do with the movie. So you didn't have to do this to enjoy the movie or understand the movie i won't say it's an enjoyable movie because it's kind of forgettable but there was an app that you would download and it would use sound cues from the movie and it would like send you like news stories to your phone or show you a different camera angle or you know it would just do like it'll send you a text message from one of the characters it would do like weird stuff it was it was like a second screen um experience for it which it was kind of a an interesting concept um i don't think they did it quite as 
quite as well as they should have. But, you know, it, it's a, something that I wish other movies would explore. Please Except t- how can you do that in a movie theater? I, I mean, was I was watching at home. Yeah, no, Please no. Please tell me you that, couldn't that didn't happen in movie theaters because that would have just been like... No. I watched it at home when I did it. I don't, I don't know if it ever hit movie theaters, but yeah, that, that's just asking for people to turn their phones on. <laughs> yeah. But these, um, those real-time, you know, it, it, like, remember Open Windows with Elijah Wood? I mean, that one is another yeah. one where oh, it's yeah. got recognizable actors, so, you know, you know that it's, you know that it's fake. But that's another one that it's like, um, it, it's all basically takes place, you know, within a computer. And also, what uh, what is that movie called? The Den? Uh, Do you remember yeah, that one? Yeah, that where, sounds familiar. Yeah, that one is another one where... Um, where it's it all takes place with i mean these are movies that are almost made to be watched on your laptop yeah and which um which i hate i mean i i mean that's the way to watch host i mean i i'll be the first to admit that but i mean there's and and maybe that's what we are in for now with with the way the world is now i mean i, I there's nothing i love more than watching a movie on the big screen but a movie like host you got to watch it on a laptop pretty much you know? well i mean Quibi's kind of proving that you can't translate everything to other technologies, you know. Ugh, Quibi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and I was going to say to uh, James' earlier point, I think that's why movies like Paranormal Activity and the original Blair Witch Project were so effective, because there were no named actors in those. It was just, uh, you know, people. So it was easier to kind of get... Uh, get into it without thinking you know this is a movie like you could think oh these are real people well especially the blair witch project um that and and this will never happen again that was lightning in a bottle yeah but it fooled people and to the point where when they when they listed those actors on imdb because it was the first credit for all three of them it listed them as deceased (laughs) (laughs) and the first time i saw that back then in 1999 i was it's like heather donahue deceased i'm like this is creepy. It, it like it just kind of gives you chills to see it in the wild. You're like, because you if you knew, because there was the Blair Witch website and there was the Haxon website, which kind of peeled the curtain back and showed you, you know, that it wasn't real. So I knew that it wasn't real, but just to see, you know, Josh Leonard deceased, you're like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> that's really kind of creepy. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think there will ever be another Blair Witch. You can't fool people like that again. But can you? I mean, we're living in a time where, like, all these conspiracy theories are running rampant thanks to memes. I mean, like, it's... Well, here, here, here's a question let me pose to you. Let me... And, and this, this isn't really, really a horror movie, although it's pretty creepy. Do you think Catfish is real? The movie Catfish. Oh, I'm I remember that one. thinking uh, about that movie. <laughs> oh, man, that was so long ago. Uh I don't think it was real. <laughs> I, I think it was staged. It was very well staged. If it, was it was very well I gotta staged. say that, like, Jesus Christ. But I think Christ. it was staged. But yeah. I think, uh, I, and I have to, well, here's here's my question with that. Does the does the TV existence of the TV show Catfish t- make it, make the real or is it real aspect of the movie invalid? Because you do have that tribal stamp wearing, uh, tramp stamp uh, guy hosting the tv show does the does the tv show kind of make the the argument on whether or not the t- movie is real you know i well do you think the tv show is real 
I mean, because the thing is, but no, no. I was gonna say you working in reality TV. You know, I know it's not. <laughs> you yeah. Well, and even if there is a kernel of real to it, yeah, they edit it to make good TV out of it. I mean, so maybe there are these people who are in these internet relationships that aren't always on the up and up. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, you know, the show cheaters is completely fake. Oh, which was the saddest revelation. Cause that was such a highlight of my childhood of the host getting stabbed to find out that that was faked. <laughs> stabbed and pushed off the boat. Joey Greco. That was how, when his contract was up, they stabbed him and threw him in the water. But I mean, oh. uh, Catfish, I know people who work on it. I won't out anybody, but I know that like how they kind of start like the process of getting these people on camera is the catfish themselves contact them or they reach out and get the catfishes because that's the most logical place to start. You know, you have to start with someone where where the source is and the source wouldn't be someone who's, oh, I've been seeing someone online. It's 80% of the time it's the catfish itself being like oh so they're planting the catfish essentially yeah because the catfish oh. is reaching out to them no I'm not saying that's every single Crazy. episode of catfish or every single story but like a good portion of them do start from there when they're vetting people and like going through it because otherwise it might just be like I mean how how many of those episodes are actually like oh this is true this is actually who they are it's almost never is no 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 Let's start wrapping this up. What else we got on these techno horror? What do you think? Let, let's let's close with this. Do you think this is going to be a thing with how movies are made? Do, and do you think that big Hollywood is going to actually... Because they're so cheap to do. And this is why found footage took off so well. Because it, it was cheap. Do you think this is going to be a thing? I think it's flash in the pan. I think it's, it's going to be a thing for a little bit. But... Uh, I mean, let's be honest. It took big Hollywood how many years to make a big budget zombie movie, like an actual big one with World War Z. So and that genre had been around since the 60s. So, I mean, like, I don't know if it'll get that big. I think it'll be a thing during quarantine for however long this lasts, as we keep saying now. But like, I don't think it'll be big, big, because honestly, most people want to get back to making other stuff and especially if someone has already done one so effectively i'm sure there'll be a few copycats but i don't think we'll see like something blow up like the slasher genre you know what about you jacob well you know horror has a way of adjusting with the times and considering these times i would not be surprised not necessarily in this exact same format with zoom but i do expect to see relative imitators or at least horror movies that operate within similar confines within uh, the scope of the pandemic so you know like found footage has always been relatively cheap and easy and with uh, minimal crew and considering how you know uh, things have to operate for now uh, I do think not necessarily like host but similar to host we may see at least a few more like it or other horror movies that um use uh stuff you uh video stuff like uh zoom or whatever to uh you know tell their story i think it's going to be just like the found footage trend where i think we're going to see tons of movies like this and we're going to forget most of them there will be a handful that no seriously yeah there's going to be a handful that rise to the top no seriously i mean yeah. but for every paranormal activity you've got a dozen you know I can't even think of, you know, oh, the Jesus. dark tapes. I mean, what I I can't even think of. That's how forgettable they are. I can't even think of the bad ones. But um, yeah. I think that 
we're going to see a flood of them, but we're going to forget most of them. Yeah. And, and honestly, the unfriended movies and a uh, host might be the only ones we remember. Yeah. The golden era of the zoom movie may have already peaked. <laughs> it's, it's in the past. I'm still waiting for uh, someone to pull off a Instagram live or a TikTok horror movie, you know, where it takes place over <laughs> a live feed and is done well. I mean, I have I have pitches for it. If you're listening, Big Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, yep, give him uh, uh, Korean barbecue and, and all social medias. Hit him up. All right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, our uh, our theme song is by Restless Spirit, so go give them a listen. And our artwork is by Chris Fisher, so go give him a look. Um, where can we find you guys on the socials, Jacob? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Davison underscore. That is at J A C O B D A V I S O N underscore. And on Instagram, Jacob underscore Davison. You Korea? And you can find me on, t- on Twitter and Instagram. God, we haven't done this in a while. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Korean barbecue. That's C O R R E I A N B B Q. And that's it. <laughs> and me, you can find on Twitter at Cinema Ferite. That's like Verite, but with fear. So it's F-E-A-R-I-T-E. Um, on Instagram, it's just James J. Edwards, just my name. But I'm hardly ever on Instagram. So Twitter is a better place to find me. Or find me and these other two guys at the Eye on Horror Facebook page. Um, the Eye Horror Facebook page or iHorror.com. Because those are all the places... Oh, Ion Horror also has a Twitter and an Instagram. Yeah. How's that Tinder coming? You get that set up yet, Korea? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. Uh, like I said, I've been a little busy the last few weeks, but we should have our Tinder profile up soon enough. Ready for friend group gatherings, I guess. Is That was a feature. I didn't know this because I've been off Twitter for years, but they started doing like, it's not just for dating, it's for making friends, which creeped me out more than the feet pictures that were coming up on Tinder. So I, I don't know. We need an eye on horror TikTok. Get, no. get on that. No. <laughs> we don't? <laughs> no. What are we going to have? You doing dance moves, James? And like, and Jacob lip syncing? Like, it's just so the, you know, Chinese government can track us and own all that footage? Like, no. <laughs> it's going to be banned soon anyways. All right. Then we are out of here. So um, until next time, for me, James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Korea. Keep your eye on horror. <laughs>